You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How are we? It's Friday. I'm ready for Sabbath and a date with my wife. We can say, shame the devil on that one. All right. Grateful to be back. We talked about doubt on Wednesday. Was that helpful for anybody? Yeah, cool. I want to be honest. My heart is not to dampen the mood or to darken hues, but really to deepen our faith, to deepen our faith. Because when we talk about things like doubt, and today we're going to talk about suffering and this word called lament, you might be like, this Zach guy is having a tough year. No, I just think Jesus really wants to walk us through deep, hard things. Amen? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just follow Jesus if I have to be like rainbow and unicorns, because that would be a lie. But I have found that Jesus will walk me through my suffering. I have found that Jesus is gentle in my doubt. Amen? Anybody else? And I think there's a world, even in here, but definitely out there, that's not as much asking, is Christianity true? But is Jesus good? And those people that follow him, do they actually believe he's good? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe that he's gentle enough to interact with your suffering? A couple years ago, you guys have heard my story. I've mentioned it. I have three little girls, Eden, Esther, Mercy. Esther is in heaven. She's living the dream right now. Way better than all of us. But I remember being given a book called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercies by a pastor in Indianapolis. He didn't give me this book, but he wrote this book. It was given to me. And I remember KP and I were in our living room and we were reading this book and we literally audibly said, what the, why didn't anyone teach us this? We had heard, everyone okay? We had heard that like in Psalms, you probably have heard the Psalms, ups and downs, ups and downs, just be raw like David. And then we heard about lamentations and the act of lament. And there's not a whole lot of ups. And we were sitting there. We've gone to Christian school. I've been a pastor. We've been Christians. And we're like, why the heck have we not ever heard about this? So as a brother in Christ, I don't want you to go another day without this tool to healthy and honestly walk through suffering. Does anyone need a fresh, authentic tool to walk through suffering? Yeah, one person is raising their hand. One thing that was really, really helpful was this fact, and this might be the very thing you just need to hear, is in your lament, in your suffering, whether it's a breakup, whether it was a divorce, maybe your parents moved, maybe there was a death, maybe you're just overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. Every single point of your suffering, Jesus is the lead lamenter. He is out in front of you suffering. Who here likes rock climbing? You know, like lead climbing? That's like a really brave thing to do. Jesus is always lead climbing the mountain of suffering. He is always out in front of you, Charlie. He's always out in front of you, Josiah. He's always out in front of you. He's not sitting on a throne, just cushy, pretending that everything's okay. No, that's why he came and died on the cross. And that's why he will come again. Amen. So we're going to talk about this concept of lament. And I have so much to go through, as you can probably imagine, this To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. How do you know a baby is healthy when it comes out? It cries. When a healthy Christian is born again, they start experiencing lamenting. When you experience the goodness of God and it's contrasted by the reality of sin and brokenness, a healthy Christian laments. 
This is a definition of lament because you're like, that's a really Christian word. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with real pain, but also the promises of God. Real pain, promises of God. How does that interact? You guys need permission to walk into the throne room in your prayers and say, God, you could have. Why didn't you? Are you kidding me? That is what lament is. You guys get more fired up about sports. You get more fired up about break. Let's get fired up about making the wrong things right and going into the throne room of Jesus Christ and lamenting on behalf of our hurt or other people's hurts. This is where I lament most of the time. Could have been anything, right? Could have been Applebee's. Nope. It was my blue chair. My blue chair is where I have lamented the most. If you walk in my front door, it's right in the corner. It'd be awkward if you walked in when I was lamenting, but we're all safe here. This is where I sit and lament. What's a place that you could sit and lament? Paul David Tripp in a book called Suffering says, and it's a little bit like a confusing quote. I've had to read it a couple times, but I think it makes sense. Many Christians never just suffer the thing that they are suffering, but they also suffer in the way that they suffer the very thing. You guys follow me? So they don't only suffer the breakup, but they spiritually bypass. Remember we talked about that on Wednesday? They don't know how to suffer the breakup, so they suffer in their suffering. They suffer a parent's divorce or a death. They suffer being let down, but they don't know how to suffer well, so they have a double portion of suffering. Not my favorite. Mark Vrogup, the author of Dark Clouds and Deep Mercies, says this, a broken world and an increasingly hostile culture make contemporary Christianity, that's us, unbalanced and limited in hope we offer if we neglect the practice of lament. Some of you guys just need permission to lament. And I'm going to walk through four steps of lament. Some of you guys need to know that you don't have to have it all okay. If we want to deepen the authentic faith of students at Asbury University, we're going to need to go deeper and more honest. Does that sound good? I believe your generation is longing for authentic faith in Jesus not fluffy faith in Jesus. If we neglect the practice of lament, we need to recover the ancient practice of lament and the grace that comes through it. The Christian suffers when lament is missing. So we're going to go through the process of lamentations. There's four steps. And if you have notes, if you have your phone, you can flip between Instagram and my sermon, okay? That'd be really nice of you. Possibly even take one AirPod out. Who knows? We'll pray. So if you want to claim one of your pain points, is it a breakup? Is it a disappointment? Is it a death? Is it a sickness? We're going to walk through these steps. The first step is turn to God and talk. Turn to God and talk. If someone has a problem with you or they're struggling and they don't come and talk to you, how do you feel? Bueller? Someone's like, bad. That's awesome. How do you feel? Disappointed. You would love to be talked to, right? Turn to God and talk. Turn to God and talk. Psalm 77, one through three. This is honest. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. This is really intense and raw. Gen Z, you'll love this. He says, my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. This is in scripture. This is not some like atheist podcast. Does that make sense? This is in Psalms. So would we turn and talk to God? In your pain, might you spend time today, this weekend, 
turning and talking to God. Maybe it's your first time turning and talking to God ever in your life. Maybe it's the first time turning and talking to God for a very long time. Maybe it's the first time turning and talking to God for the first time on this issue. Might you turn and talk? So when you turn and talk, what do you do? You complain. You have permission to complain. Step two is complain. What really bothers you about that thing? You think he's offended by that? Complain. These are two of my favorite people in the world. Boom, Eden and Mercy, let's go. Eden, my six-year-old. Mercy, my one-year-old. I want to know what's bothering them. If Eden's had a bad day, I want to know what's bothering her. Mercy just got a shot and it swelled up. We were trying to figure out why she kept on itching her leg and we're like, oh wait, she got a shot and it swelled up. We're decent parents, right? We want to know. We are decent parents. Father in heaven shames us in parenting. He's perfect. He wants to know what his kids are struggling with. Would you complain. He's not going to look at you and say, oh, you're okay. Get over it. Psalm 13. This is complaining. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Once again, this is not some crazy book out there. This is not some podcast of people peeved with God. This is a psalm in your scriptures. You have permission to complain. Lament is biblical complaint that creates space to share where circumstances don't seem to match up with what we know is true with God. Are you creating space to be that honest? Lament is the collision of your experience and your theology, what you believe. I've been married for almost 11 years. I'm going to round up so we're impressive in public. And Kristen's here. Praise the Lamb. If I have done something that doesn't match up with what she knows about me, I hope that she would say, hey, you're not acting yourself. Hey, can we break this down? Like, you didn't respond to Eden the way that you would normally respond. What's going on? Does that make sense? On your teams, maybe someone misses a play and you lose your on them. That doesn't match up with what you know is true, right? We're allowed to do this with God. We can have authentic relationship with God. Can we create space where our experience and our theology does not meet and match? This is honest and raw. Once again, in Scripture, Psalm 77, 7 through 9. This is raw. Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promises failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Does this like blow your mind? This is in scripture. And I want to like literally look across the room in eyes and say, if this is where you're at, Jesus would love to have a conversation with you. Is that good news? He wants to. And I actually think if we will be this honest and this deep in our faith, two things will happen. We'll enjoy deeper, more authentic friendship with Jesus. Anybody? Anybody want that? And two, it will be substantially more captivating to the people who are wondering, is Jesus real? If we're faking it, the people that are watching us are not going to be compelled to say yes to Jesus. But if we're authentic and we're experiencing his comfort, some people who are also suffering, which we have plenty of suffering in this world, amen, might say, wow, you suffer differently than anybody else. Guys, this is maybe something that will be the only thing you need to remember. Messy prayers are greater than silent despair. I'm going to say it again. Messy prayers 
are greater than silent despair. You say, I don't know how to pray. Great. can be messy. I can't open up that box because snot will just be leaking out of my face along with tears. Great. Messy prayers. I might curse because I'm so angry at my perpetrator. I'm so angry that my dad never showed up. I'm so angry, 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 angry. Great. Messy prayers are better than silent despair. Messy prayers are greater than silent despair. Do you know what Jesus is up to right now in the throne room? Interceding on our behalf. Taking what you care about and talking to his dad about it. Taking you and all of you, your mess and your good, and talking to the Father. That is scriptural. That is what he's doing right now. Messy prayers are greater than silent despair. So first step, turn and talk to God. Second step, complain. Third step, ask. Ask. Psalm 13, back to Psalm 13, verses 3 and 4. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. What is he asking for? To light up his eyes. He's experiencing such darkness and weightiness. He's asking, would you light up my eyes? When's the last time you asked? When's the last time you asked? This is a key question that I have to ask myself often. Why don't you ask? Why don't you ask? For the longest time in my faith, I didn't ask because my father wasn't there. And if he was there, his door was closed and he was busy. Anybody relate? So I projected that on the father and I said, I shouldn't really ask because either I will upset him or I will bother him. Why don't you ask? Why don't you ask? Confession. This is why Zach doesn't ask all the time. I'm afraid he'll be mad. I'll be bothering him or dudes, you might, well, everyone probably, but that it would show that I'm weak and I'm not entrustable for another thing. These aren't like made up things. Last night when I was doing my sermon, I mean like a week ago, and um, (laughs) I asked the Lord, Lord, why don't I ask all the time? And I believe he revealed to me because you're kind of afraid that I'll be mad. Oh, and you you sometimes believe the lie that you're bothering me. And you want to prove that you're strong and you can be given more things So you don't want to be weak. So what do we do with these lies? If you were to ask this question right now, why don't I ask God? What do you do with the things he reveals? I've talked about this multiple times. There's a book by Robert Mulholland called The Invitation to a Journey. And he talks about how formation is a rhythm of confrontation and then consecration for deeper formation. Consecration or confrontation, you're confronted with something that doesn't match up with the character of God, right? And you can choose two things, consecration for formation or frustration and stay in that place. Does that make sense? When you're caught looking at porn, you're confronted. You can choose consecration and formation or you can stay frustrated and you just stay in this rhythm, confrontation and frustration, confrontation and frustration. If you're confronted that you're afraid of asking God honest questions and you don't push through for formation, you stay frustrated in this lie. And some of you guys have lived your whole life living in this lie and this cycle of confrontation and frustration, confrontation and frustration, confrontation and frustration. And I believe if we're honest, And we push through with a step of consecration. And if you don't know what that means, you have a great community. I'm here. Greg's here. You have a bunch of big brothers and sisters. You have small groups. You have lots of resources. You could step out of rhythms of confrontation and frustration. I hope that the next time I step up on stage, I will be less convinced that he'll be mad, that I'll be bothering him, and that I would not be entrustable. Jesus is that active in my life that I think I could actually be done with that. What about you? I think he is. 
The last one might seem cheesy, and you know my cheese meter is like level 10. It's not my jam, right? But lament cannot end at venting. So step four is a step or statement of trust and his trustworthiness, okay? Step four, trust or trustworthiness. So let's say the first one, you turn to talk to God and you say, God, I really, really want to be married, And I don't see anyone out there complaining, right? I can't find someone that I want. I can't find someone. I can't, it feels like it's hopeless. I'm I'm at Asbury, I should find someone, right? And then ask, Lord, would you lead me to someone? Like I need someone, I want to be married. That's the desire of our heart. And then trustworthy, your trust is, God, I know that you work all things together for the good of those who love him and I will trust you. That's a lament right there. You can do that. And the beautiful thing about trust and trustworthiness, once again, to the illustration of climbing, right? If Jesus is our lead climber, these statements of trust and trustworthiness is when we anchor in. When we anchor in, we plant our feet. Trust and trustworthiness. Psalm 13, same psalm. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Your statement of trust might be, but God, I know you love me. It might be as honest as, God, I think I heard that you loved me. That might be the best you can do today. But would you lean in in honesty? Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. I think that's a slide. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. Instead of recoiling in your pain and saying, I'm just going to sit this one out and watch, which is valid sometimes. But I want to encourage us, in our pain, would we actually lean into trust? Your pain, this is another slide, your pain can be a pathway to God if you let lament be your new language. In suffering, could the switch turn on and be like, this is when I lament. When you watch the news about Israel and Palestine, would the switch turn on and say, I'm not going to just worry and freak out, I'm going to lament. When you get the text about someone's sickness, would the switch turn on for the rest of your life? Hey, I remember that chapel, these four steps. I'm going to lament. Would you let it be your new language? So it's clear the problem that we're faced is suffering, right? The practice that we have is lamentations. The four steps are turn and talk. Say it. Turn and talk. Complain. Ask. And then trust or trustworthiness. The reality is nothing on this stage, no attendance to chapel, no following of footsteps or something that I've preached or you've read or you've listened to really will be the solution in itself. If we only rely on practices and steps, then we have relied on religion. But we lament because of Jesus. And we lament to Jesus. I have three minutes to land the plane. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Jesus is walking to his crucifixion and he encounters a man on the side of the road who happens to be blind. He yells out, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd says, don't bother him. Don't embarrass us. Be quiet. It says he rebukes and hushes them. But I'm going to, this is the message according to Zach. Don't bother him. Don't embarrass us. Be quiet. Some of you guys in your suffering have had a youth pastor say those things. Some of you in your suffering have felt like if you really opened your voice, open your mouth, a parent would say that to you. Or even deep down, 
like Jesus would say that to you. And that's a lie. What does he do? He shouts all the more. Say that. Shout all the more. Raise your voice. Say it. He says it again. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is awesome. The crowd who has been hushing this man says, take courage, take heart, cheer up. He's calling for you. Then they bring him to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? What can I do for you? Some of you guys need to know in your suffering, in your shouting, in your crying out, even when the world and culture tells you to be quiet and you're going to bother him, the lies of the enemy tell you to be quiet, you're going to bother him. He actually hushes all those and he says, come to me. What can I do for you? What would, how would you answer? Lord, I want blank. I don't, I am unable to promise you that your depression will cease as you leave Hughes. I am unable to promise you that you will have a girlfriend by the end of the week. I am unable to promise you that your financial provision will be taken care of by the end of this year. I am unable, I am unable to promise you that you will not experience suffering and death and brokenness. Jesus doesn't promise that either. But I am promising you that if you receive the new language of lament in your doubt and in your suffering, you will experience a deeper walk with Jesus. You will find him calling you to himself saying, what can I do for you? So last slide, shout all the more, Asbury. Shout all the more, Asbury. Asbury, take courage. He's calling for you. Would you turn and talk? Would you complain? Would you ask? And would you be courageous enough to plant your feet in a little bit of trust? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much that your scripture and your life and your teachings are not just fluffy concepts that we keep up on a shelf and we pull out at church or fluffy concepts and books that we pull out at chapel or when we go to New Testament, Old Testament or Christian thought or whatever we do, but it applies to our lives. So Jesus, we want to be Christians that are formed by the truth that we read in scripture, by the spirit of Christ, by the love of Jesus and the leadership of the Father. So Jesus, I pray for authenticity to break out on this campus. I pray that you would wrangle us in, that it wouldn't get out of control, but Jesus, that we would be honest and authentic, Jesus, and that you would meet people even today in their lament. Jesus, thanks for teaching a stubborn 33-year-old how to lament. Jesus, I pray for these students to learn how to lament substantially sooner than I did. Jesus, I can't believe you create things for us to walk through hard things. You don't just expect us to be perfect like you are perfect. So Jesus, would we just sit in the peace of Christ as we learn how to lament. And Asbury, what do we say? Amen. Amen.